Well, Fallon, thank you for being on the podcast, Uncut and Real Raw with Clinton Anderson. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here. We've been on like rival podcasting, yes. so I'm excited <laughs> to be in one room. Here's, a, here's i tell you what I know about you. Not that much, but what I do know <laughs> is you're really good at your job. Thank you're you. You're really good. You've done an excellent job of marketing yourself. I have to admit, I was a little bit jealous of you. Still am a little <laughs> bit, so I'm out to beat you. Okay. okay. But but when we got on the gauge, I said to um, uh, Chance, I said, who's been your most popular guest? And he said, oh, without a date, doubt, doubt uh, Fallon Taylor. So I'm going to take that bitch down. I'm going to beat her. <laughs> and so it was a friendly kind of competition, oh, yeah. of course. But uh, I just got to tell you, you've done an excellent job, and I'm proud to have you here. And I want to dig into your life, because the whole point of this podcast is from rags to riches. And, and not be embarrassed about that. If you, you know, like I said, the whole equine business, and I kind of feel prideful that I've changed it or starting to. Right. People aren't afraid to talk about money now. People aren't afraid to say, if, if you've made a lot of money, congratulations. You're not a piece of shit. You've done it. It's the American dream. So you're a rags to riches kind of story, and you've really capitalized on it. And that's what this whole podcast is about, not just equine people, but people from all kinds of industries. Because to me, America is the greatest country in the world. It is. It really is. Yeah, and it, it really pisses is. me off when people bash it and run it down. Sure, every country's not perfect, but this is the best country in the world. And I'm living proof of it. So are you. I showed up with $400 and retired right. with millions at 43. If you can't make it in this country, there's no other you're country. On your you're on your own. You're, no other country <laughs> you're going to make it in. Right. You know? So it's just a beautiful country. And I really like inspirational stories of people like yourself. So I'd like to back up to the beginning, if that's all right, because one of the reasons why I don't want to know much about a guest that I interview, because I want it to be as real as possible. So I want the general idea of who they are, and that's about it, because it helps me dig into all the different bits and pieces and get to the story. Well, there's a lot to unpack here, so. Oh, I hope there's some good shit, some <laughs> bad shit, and some ugly so there's shit. there's all of that. We've got it all. I love it. I love it. So let's get started then. So where'd you grow up? Let's start there. I was born in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. My parents did not ride horses. I so a city girl. Complete city girl, went to a private school, kind of a nerd. Yeah. Um, so I was in all these gifted programs and then went to the University of South Florida when I was five and all these various like things that little kids don't do. Yeah. And my parents were given the advice that I should get focused on something because I was just like borderline like, hey, this kid reads the dictionary for fun. So like, <laughs> you know, funny. she's yeah. a little different. She's a little so, different. She's a little <laughs> let's get her focused on something she really likes. I began to fixate on rodeo. I saw the Mesquite Championship rodeo on television and right. I was I was about six. So for my seventh birthday, my parents drove me to the Mesquite Championship Rodeo from Tampa, Florida to Texas. My dad is an inventor. My mom, um, she was homemaker and mm -hmm. helped my dad run his businesses. And so we loaded up. He had his own um, plant, like complete staff in Texas in mm -hmm. Ponder. The, the population was 432 at that time. Yeah. And they moved us there and we never came home. We watched that rodeo and I was like, you were hooked. I'm here. This is where what, we go. What attracted you to it? Was it was it the atmosphere of rodeo, the bow racing, the girls, the outfits? What what at that age? For sure the outfits. Okay. It was for sure the outfits and the horses. I mean, True. horses are magical. Yes, they are. I don't care who you are. Like yes. it, they're unicorns. And I was like, if you are telling me I can wear pink and glitter, 
and ride a unicorn. And maybe make money doing and it. And maybe make some money. <laughs> this is awesome. So my parents were very well off, did really well. Yes. Um, my dad continues to do well. He's 83. Yes. Yes. Um, he invented a bunch of things and has a bunch of patents. Awesome. And did so you really come well. from kind of an entrepreneurial background. Absolutely. Awesome. And nobody in my family um, has had like a real job. Yes. You know, everybody has had Started their own businesses. Work. Absolutely. Yes. So um, watching that, I, I started getting hauled around. My parents were, my mom so didn't have me until she was 40. So let's back up a little bit So you go at seven. Right. You, lights, camera, action, you're hooked. Was it specifically barrel racing you were hooked on? Or only just barrels. Only barrels. Out of all the events you saw at the rodeo, that Absolutely. was the one. You got to go fast, got to wear glitter, pink, yep. run like a bat out of hell. And, that, and, and I'm going to contradict myself. We did that, but then when we came to Texas, somehow we ran into some cutting people. Mm -hmm. And they were like, well, if she can go ride cutters, mm -hmm. it would be a lot better mm -hmm. for her to ride some cutters and then run barrels after that because she's going to have a lot more foundation. Okay. So around that same time. So I'm how old are you now? Seven. seven. Still okay. seven. So okay. on my birthday, yep. we thought, so my parents' thinking was, well, she wants to run at this rodeo, so how do we run at this rodeo? And I love that my parents have always been cliff divers because mm -hmm. I feel like that has made me bold really bold mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people think it's just complete insanity of like well let's put a bunch of money in that or yeah. let's go down that yeah. rabbit hole but that's been i think something that's made me really successful very much so is to just dive off and go yes. well, let's fail as fast as possible yes so that we can get to the good part because you're going to fail it you're going to fail at a lot anything. of shit and that's i think that's one people thing that people don't realize about entrepreneurial people and businesses you're going to fuck up a lot more than you're going to succeed. And louder and, and in front of a lot more yeah, people. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? So you've got to be prepared to fall on your face, lose some money, not do well, and get up and say, I'm going to try it again. I've learned now when people laugh at me or make fun of me, I'm really onto something. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'd like, agree. I'm like, ha. Yes. Because yes. then they're going to ask me how to do it. Yes, I love so that. So I really, I really enjoy that part. So in order to enter that rodeo, you had to be a member of the WPRA, which at that time had no age limit. My dad bought me a horse, mm -hmm. bought my pro card, and 30 days later, we entered that rodeo. And so you're I'd, seven or eight? What are you? Seven. I had never been on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> he really threw you in the deep end, oh, didn't yeah. he? Oh, yeah. And, and I rode pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, I watch videos and they're not good, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, but you know, at I'm that age. sitting in the middle, yeah, you know, that's exactly right. Sitting in the middle. I'm yeah. not dying. You know, yeah. it was good. You didn't, let's just say you didn't start at the shallow end. You got thrown right in the deep right end. Right in the deep end, which I feel like for my type of personality, people is the way to go. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you do this incrementally thing, you kind of get bored and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, let's throw this away and do something else. Yes. Yes. So, you know, the like fight or flight, like always works for me. So you I'm went to this rodeo. Fight. What happened? I did terrible. Yeah. I did awful. I mean, it was the worst person there didn't fall off didn't fall off yeah. and so I'd come out my mantra was I didn't hit a barrel and I didn't fall off and that was like That's my awesome. whole mantra until yeah. one day I did fall off the mesquite rodeo yeah. and then my mom made me go wave to the crowd which I was like this is the worst day of my <laughs> life I had just horse crap all in my teeth I was like this is the worst and she made day. you go wave she to the made crowd. me go wave what was to the her crowd. theory to that what, what, what let them know you're okay oh okay you need to let them know you didn't die That's awesome. I was like oh this is awful <laughs> Fast forward, and then we'll come back, yeah. but I, I kind of got some ground and got in the top 15 in the world standings. Mm. Later on, I was nine. Mm. I was kind of catching some steam. Yeah. And a little boy came up to me in Canada in a gas station. He was like, you are the barrel racer. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and he said, you're the girl that fell off a mesquite and then waved to the crowd with all the black stuff in your teeth. And I was like, mom, <laughs> see? That's funny. <laughs> That's awesome. So you basically got started. So after that first rodeo, you hooked at this point? 
you know, you got Ready the drug, go. you got the cocaine, you're into it, you want to go do it. So that's all you live, breathe, and think about? Sit. So what happened to school at that point? You still went to school? You were homeschooled? What, how, how did school work out during those years? Well, I'd already low-key been kicked out of public school, public school at this point. Okay. So I had been, I went to a private school until second grade. Then we moved to Texas. And when I got there at third grade, there was a bunch of controversial stuff in the school. So basically they were having me take everyone's um, tests for mm -hmm. end of year to get yep. more funding. And yes. <laughs> a lot of controversy. You throw the smart kid in one class and then do all this stuff. So it was very controversial for me in public school. I got bullied every day, mm -hmm. swirlies and mm -hmm. all my stuff stolen and mm -hmm. okay. all that good stuff. I didn't fit in. It wasn't a good fit. Yep. And I would cry every single day and told my mom, like, this is prison. This is yeah. a terrible place for me. And so finally they took a deep dive into homeschool and what that would look like. And I thrived. I mean, okay. I was able to do my schoolwork and I, I was a nerdy kid that loved it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't and like you were, they were you having to beat me to do it. you had a bit of a natural gift for learning. You right. liked learning. You right. were, you were, some people can just learn better than others, right. especially academically, book-wise. I was never one of them, but I know people like yourself that are like And a lot of successful people don't have that. You yes, know, so that, it goes both fortunate. ways. Yep. I know a lot of very, very wealthy people that are dyslexic, can't Absolutely. read. I read to about a, a fifth grade level, to be honest. So, yes, it can go both ways. That's absolutely yep. right. My yes. brother has got some learning things and he's like Rain Man mechanic. Yes. Crazy, crazy. Yes. Yes. So, so homeschool fits homeschool. you really well. You could get your homework done and then get back to the barn, I suspect. Absolutely. Okay. My dad had us working in the warehouse as he like would invent products and then mm -hmm. we'd have to help with the all of those things and then we could go ride, but it was the ideal setup where I would ride constantly. And we had trainers for a while and then we figured out, um, and they were wonderful, really great trainers, loved yes. that. But once we kind of fired them and brought all the horses home and I started to learn all the lessons on my own, that I needed to learn as far as like care and get off your butt and go take care of your own horse and go clean your own stalls mm -hmm. and that sucker needs to be legged up and yeah. all of these various things that I needed to learn yeah. myself, then go back and understand where that mentor role comes in. There was, you know, there's a lot of trainers in the country that are cash and checks. And mm -hmm. then there's a lot of trainers that add value. Mm -hmm. And I've had both. Yes. And I think it's a wonderful experience and mm -hmm. it's the best, best way to be able to experience and jump a lot of hurdles a mm -hmm. lot quicker. Mm -hmm. You could teach me so much about reining and various mm -hmm. other things that would take me mm -hmm. a lifetime to learn. Yes. And then there's other people that just, you know, especially if you try to bargain hunt, it gets, yes. you know, yes. really bad. Yes. So, so basically you weren't frightened to get lessons. You weren't frightened right. to get knowledge. No, to me, I always have a saying, knowledge is power. It's And I, when I important. don't know something about a subject, I am extremely humble and a student. I'll go find the best guy in the country. I'll go pay him. One thing I've learned about America is that if you want to know something in this country, I don't care what subject it is, what industry it is, somebody has what you want right. and you can buy it. And it's if the you're willing to, thing. If you're willing to go pay them, you, they will teach you or show you what they know. That's and it's what's the coolest cool. thing in the world. And so I've never had a problem with humbling myself and instantly being the student especially when it's new stuff that I don't know about because I don't want to make the mistake. You know what I mean? So I've always, so it seems like your family were big on that. Go get the knowledge. Go find the right professionals. It's get the, the coaching. fast pass. Yes, it is the fast You're pass. You're going to pay for something yes. along the way. Are you going to pay in 10 years of kicking rocks and trying or to figure it out a lot of mistakes. and reinvent the wheel? Yes. Or are you going to pay up front and say, hey, can you show me how not to make all those stupid mistakes? I know it's not going to fast forward everything. Yes. But... 
it's going to save me 10 years You're that damn I can't right get back. Is. That's actually, you know, it's funny. My dad is almost the complete opposite of me. Like, my dad will drive around Australia three fucking times lost <laughs> before he'll pull over. Like, back in the days before smartphones and all that shit where we used to have MapQuest and, <laughs> and paper, paper and, a, and a map. And I have a horrible sense of direction. Like, I get, lost, I get lost in my own fucking house, okay? <laughs> so I panic a lot when I'm lost. Because right. I just, I just lose my shit. <laughs> so if I even smell that I'm lost back in the old days, I'd pull over in a gas station, ask somebody direction. Where am I at? My dad will drive around Australia three fucking times, be, <laughs> refuse to ask anybody for help or knowledge. And I'm literally polar the opposite. If I even smell that I don't know something or need something, I'm going to ask somebody because to me, my whole natural mentality was time was money. I Absolutely. need to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. So if you know how to get from point A to point B, I need what you have. So I'm either going to pay you for it, I'm going to barter for you, I'm going to trade with you, but yep. I need what you know. So to me, it was just lo logically the right decision to make. It's so cool. Um, for instance, there was a lady I'm following on TikTok that her business is doing 150 million a year and she started in her garage. And I just started commenting, hey, where did you get your warehouse stuff? I need those yep. sorting bins. I need." She answered me. Yes. And we brought her team in and I was like, this is just an example of how great this place is and how every single person can have an excuse for anything because right there she took five seconds to answer me and probably never thought that I would spend $100,000 to get yes. this system put in. She just threw it out there like, hey, if you're smart enough to go with that information, go and for the rest of you guys that are gonna skip over this information, that's on you. I've hired consultants in every part of my business my entire adult life as well as horsemen. I always say this, every, every great athlete has a coach. Right. And typically the coaches aren't as good as the athlete right. are doing that sport. Correct. But they're not, their job's not to be better than them. Their job's right. to show them weaknesses, show them well, where their strengths are. To zoom out and right. say, here's the things we've got to avoid. Here's the things we've got to focus on. So every great athlete has a coach. And, and to me, every part of a business that I didn't know something about, which was a lot in the beginning, right. I just went and hired the right people. And, and like I said, if the knowledge is out there, you, you have to just find what you're looking for, negotiate a price, right. and hire that person. So I, I agree with you. I've hired consultants my entire adult life, especially when I get into new industries or new things that I'm a green person at because I know I'm going to screw it up. I know financially people are going to take advantage of me if they know right. I don't know, right. okay? And they'll figure it out quickly, I don't know. So let's save some money, let's stop getting screwed, and let's find the number one guy and get up to speed ASAP. Absolutely. Yes. I think that people... No pride, they al They always want to skip that step. Like, you obviously did not hand paint all of this. Hell no. You called somebody, they said, let's get a nice set, let's do all That's of exactly this. That's exactly right. Because if it looks better, it's going to get more views. This didn't just pop up overnight. That's exactly you right. You can see it from far away when people do that or when people just stumble into something. And it, it makes for when people try to mimic things that I've done in the same industry, mm -hmm. it makes it where I'm so zoomed out that I know how many hurdles that they're not willing to cross. Yes. And I just go, okay, well then do that. Yes. Then go down that rabbit hole. Yes. Do that. I encourage you to go full speed. Yes. Full speed ahead. Mm -hmm. Because you're gonna hit those roadblocks and go, oh whoa, it's not as simple as just saying that thing or wearing that thing or um, putting stuff on that social media outlet. There's so many layers. Nothing is ever as easy as what it looks 
Right. Nothing is ever as easy as it looks. You know, you can see a business, I've always said this, you can see a business over here and think to yourself, man, they're making a lot of money. And the next, and I'll say that in my mind, and the next thing that goes through my mind is, don't underestimate the expenses in that business. I wonder how much it costs for yes. them to do this. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I'm running the numbers in my head. Okay, Absolutely. there's 10 cash registers, there's about 40 people. Like people don't, like my tour, you know, we don't get anywhere near the people I used to get. Like in my, in, in the heyday when the whole natural horsemanship clinician business was at its biggest, I was getting crowds of anywhere from 2,500 to 3,500 people. Now I average about 1,000 people, which still ain't bad considering right. none of my competition even do tours anymore. Right. Because they couldn't get more than 200 people to show up. Right. So I went to Montana last year, in the middle of fucking nowhere, and drew 1,000 people. If you can draw a thousand people in middle You're Montana, doing, there's not a thousand people there. That's so exactly it's a right. Half of them are Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Miracle. But my, so I'm still happy with a thousand people. But back in the day, you know, we would get 2,500, 3,000 people. We might run 250, 300 thousand dollars through the cash registers. But right. what people didn't realize was I had four semis on the road. I was flying in 40 people from all over the country to run those two. You had to pay for your stock, yeah, for your t-shirts, for your the, everything. The amount of expenses, even today, like today we might gross 150,000 at a tour, I just break even. Right. Tours don't make any money for me. All they are is advertising. Absolutely. They keep the sponsors happy and keep them, you know, their name out there right. and people engaging with them. It keeps my club membership going, but the actual product that I sell, I just break even. If I right. can break even, I, I, in fact, I just had a financial meeting this morning of last year's three tours. I only do three now. I think I made a profit of 1500 We celebrated. <laughs> Because to me, that was it's a, a win. It's a big deal. Not losing was a win because right. now I don't take four semis. And a wonderful ride But off. I take two semis. <laughs> I still got to fly people in. Right. It's, it's a production. This shit costs quite a bit of money. So you can see a lot of money coming in, but a lot of people don't, don't look behind the curtain of how much money's really going out. I learned a lot, lot from your um, talking about employees because... Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a lot of people at different levels of employment within your staff, there's always the guy that just sees the money coming in. Oh, very you know, much so. That doesn't ever zoom out and see what's going on and how many checks get written. And oh, yes. How much inventory is around you. You know, when you walk through the warehouse, I always tell them, I'm like, look around you. You know, oh, look yeah. around. It's it's all around you all the time. So it's very easy for for customers and employees to only see that part, the money coming in, not the money going out. And and I was actually guilty of that myself for a lot of years as I always wanted to make more money, make more money, make more money. It's always got to make more, got to make more. Now I focus on what am I netting? What am I netting? Right. What am I netting? Okay, because I paid so much attention to making more, I didn't pay any enough attention to the holes and leaking of the money going out. And it got away from me, you know, and I almost went bankrupt and I've been public about that. And, and a lot of people like it when I tell some of the disasters I've had because it makes them feel human. Like, okay, this son of a bitch almost went bankrupt right. too. And I try to let people know where I fucked up. Don't do these things. So now I always tell people, watch the money, watch the money, watch, All the time. especially the expenses. Right. Watch both of it. I check every credit card statement now. I check, I sign every check. I do it every morning. You know, when I almost every went bankrupt, morning. I had a fucking rubber stamp with my with my signature on yeah, it. And it's people just were going. just using that shit like Skittles. Yep. And it got away from me in a big way. Um, but that's the biggest thing is, is there's a lot of expenses to it. So let's back up a little bit here. So you're homeschooled, you're having a great time, you're barrel racing. You just, that's all on your mind from seven or eight, all through your teens, that's all you want to do. It's all I want to do. Who's I've, going with you? Your mother, your My father, mom and dad. Your mom and dad. Mom you're, and a, dad. you're a team on the road. And we're going. 
what, uh, 50,000 miles a year, 100? What are you doing? About now? 90. About 90. Yeah. So how many rodeos is that? So give or take between 60 and 80. Oh, man. So oh. what my parents did after I was absolutely terrible is one of our trainers said, if you guys have got the cash, mm -hmm. there's a stallion that's for sale. Um, he's done everything. The the people that own it, their, their daughters are getting into Olympic swimming. They want to sell out. He'll never pass a vet check. What do you think? And my dad was like, I don't. I would assume, as a non-horse guy, he was like, I would assume a horse that does a lot well probably wouldn't pass a vet check, right? And mm -hmm. it was a cool outside perspective because I've used that later in my life. Like, you know, so many people are like, does it do this? Does it do that? And you're like, it wins. Yes. Period. That's right. Write the yeah. check. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so yeah. my parents were smart enough. They wrote the check. 1991, they paid $75,000 for Dr. Nick Barr. Mm -hmm. He's still one of the top, I think, 20 stallions, yeah. producing stallions in the world. And he died in 2006. So he's still, you know, very much a, a big deal. So were that, was that horse a big game changer for you? That's what I, okay, tell me what happened here. So up to that point, are you doing well, not doing well, in the middle of the pack? Where are really you? Really suck. You kind of suck. Yeah. Okay. Did but you I'm riding well. I just didn't have any horsepower. Okay. So the, the sucking yep. part was the race car. Right. You just didn't have the just horsepower. Just didn't have the wheels. And, and, and that's a good point that people need to pay attention to. I don't care if it's barrel racing, raining, cutting, cow horse. Competition is so damn tough right. now. You can be the greatest trainer in the world, but if you don't have a race car that can win, you suck. It's just that simple. There's no secrets anymore. It, it, you, you've got to have that horsepower. So you recognize that. You're right. So sorry. You need some water? I fly through, but... Grab us some water, please. Is there, a bottle of, isn't there a bottle of water on that table? That's all right. Take a break. The fly through down my throat. Well, Lisa, Lisa, son of a bitch, wasn't Thank bugging you. us. <laughs> I've been trying to hit that fucking fly for an hour, and you just ate it. I got him. I got him. <coughs> I've never coughed an interview in my entire career. <coughs> See, this is the perfect outtake. Fallon Taylor eats the fly. <laughs> Clinton's grabbing a cocktail, and we'll be right back. Get yourself one and enjoy this short clip. 15 years ago, I read in a magazine, Quarter Horse magazine, somebody was interviewing Carol Rose, and, and they said about, you know, Quarter Horse breed confirmations changed over the years and bloodlines and breeding and so forth. And, and somebody said to Carol, they said something along the lines of, you know, um, you know, it's a lot of people don't like the modern quarter horse. You know, they say it's feet are too small or this or that or whatever. You know, how do you feel about breeding horses? And her basic response was, you can be die hard and think that a purple horse is the best horse. Mm -hmm. And you can keep breeding purple horses. But if the public want to buy orange horses, you're either going to breed orange horses and sell them, or you're going to keep breeding purple horses and you're just going to have a pasture full of purple horses. Yes. So you can either adapt and change, mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. You might truly like purple horses better sure. than orange ones. But if the public want freaking orange horses, you better sure shit breed them because that's what they want to buy. Absolutely. So, if you don't change, you become a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. You know, I went through it with, with uh, magazines, equine expos, VHS tapes, DVDs, now streaming, mm -hmm. online. So I've always had an ability to be able to predict where things are going from my business. Okay, this is coming to an end. 
Where am I going next? Like, I, you know, for 15 years, RFD TV drove my whole business. If you would have told me halfway through the 15 years that one day I'd get off RFD TV, I'd say, you're fucking nuts. I'm yeah. never getting off this thing. It's a cash cow. It just brings in so much money. But I saw the last two, three years that thing was dropping off mm -hmm. and I needed to find a new racehorse to get on that was going to take me over the rest of the finish line. And now we don't do anything on RFT. Everything's through, you know, YouTube, Facebook, um, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Shitter, all the rest of them. Sure. It's all out there. That's where we do our marketing now. Right. No, virtually no magazines. Where 20 years ago, everything was through the magazines. Yep. Now I probably spend 10000 on magazines, where at one point I spent 750000 on magazines. So everything changes. You yep. either change with it That's exactly and adapt right. and the money will flow, mm -hmm. or you stick your head in the sand or become belligerent and indignant about it and you fucking die. That's yeah. as simple as it gets. Okay. <coughs> Good? I'm ready. You're ready? Yep. So we're gonna back up a little bit. We had a little fly incident, <laughs> but we're, we're over it now. Let's back up a little bit. And this horse was your first taste of real horsepower. You, you, were, you were struggling with your race cars. You, you were riding good, you were working your ass off, but you didn't have the horsepower, correct? Correct. And, and when you bought this stud, that was the game changer. Absolutely. Yes or no? I don't want to put absolutely. words in your mouth. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I, I owe everything to so many of these game-changing horses. There yes. were... But that was the I first one. I would say three. That yep. was the first one. We're going to go in order yep. here. We're going to do the whole career. But that was the first one. Absolutely. So tell me, what did you learn from this horse? What did this horse teach you that you were like, holy snap and duck shit. Like, this <laughs> is wow. Like, what, what did he do what for does you? A, what does a real winner feel like? I think that that's the issue with everybody. They want to make it on their heart horse and they mm -hmm. want to take this rescue and they yes. want to go do the thing. And it, it, it really bothers me. It breaks my heart because you could spin your wheels for a long time yes. and you probably could have won a lot mm -hmm. if you just evaluate that animal for what it, it is, is capable of doing instead of putting it in this really horrible situation that's going to make it underwhelming yes. instead of really honoring it for what it is. Dr. Nick Barr was a winner. I'm really proud that he allowed me to step up and match his ability. So what did he, tell me the feeling of it, meaning that was he just faster? Was he quicker around the barrels? What, what, what qualities did he have that made you go, holy shit, I need to be riding horses like this. What did he, he do? He was so dynamic. Okay. That horse could come from the parking lot, drag his hawk in the ground, inhale the first barrel, drive out of a turn, switch leads, you didn't even know it was happening always find the place that he needed to like lower his landing gear, never hollowed out in the back and mm -hmm. kind of lost mm -hmm. his way. He always kept himself together, super balanced. Something that when you're training a horse, you go, oh, I don't like that part. Mm -hmm. I don't know w what it is, but I know you that feel that something part, you don't like. yeah, I don't, I don't like that part. He was a horse that taught me that they need to be really balanced. They've got to keep their feet moving. When I watch rainers, I'm, I'm fascinated with raining. When I watch, a rainer anytime mm -hmm. I see a horse drag its ass and keep its feet moving. Yes. I'm just like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And that's what you want from a barrel horse. Yes. He did that. Yes. And did, and did it, it quietly. Do you, do you think he did it naturally or was he taught it? Both. Or a bit of both? Both. Okay, right. You know, they, you always have a saying, they're saying that, that horses teach people and, and horses teach people and people teach horses. He taught you what that feel <coughs> was like, correct? He taught you what a truly great barrel racing horse is supposed to feel like. Is correct. that right or wrong? Correct. Okay. He taught me How old was so he when much. you got him? 12. 12. 12. And how long did you run him? Did you have some I'm good so sorry. That's all right. <coughs> no problem at all. I think it's like water? wing is hung in my throat. Get, grab us some more I'm water. I'm so, please. so sorry, you no, guys. No, no, no problem at all. 
<laughs> Grab a supporter. Cody's been with me for 10 years. She has never seen this ever That's all right. in Take the history time. of There's ever. no hurry at all. Thank you. Don't be in a hurry at all. Keep it there, so if you need it. Put it on Are you the, sure? Yep, yeah, keep okay. it right there. <clears throat> I swear I can get through it. That's all right, just take your time. There's not a hurry. There's a whole insect in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> we need the sun bitch to go to your belly. <laughs> I need it to go down. Yeah. This is when I need to start drinking alcohol. I've got see, plenty I there. I've got alcohol. Tito's and this I've got is the Captain time. Morgan. I'd Just like get see into if it. it would burn it down. Singe the wings off of it. I'm drinking Captain Morgan. <laughs> Another whack at it? <laughs> right, on, let's do it. So that horse taught you what a great barrel horse is supposed to feel like. And so how long did you run him? How many years did you run so him? So he retired. He won his last check at 27. But you're shitting me. The coolest well, did horse you, ever. How long did you run him, though? All that time? All that time. Oh, you, you had him from 12 to 27. To 27. We allowed um, some people to ride him here and there. Mm -hmm. He did incredible with them. He was trained by one of the best trainers in the world to ever fraternity and run at the yes. first fraternities. And he was just a dynamic horse. He was a dynamic rope horse. He was a dynamic... Calf horse, team roping horse. Could do it all. He did it all. Did you breed a lot of mares to him? We bred a lot of mares to okay. him. Okay. In thinking back, it wasn't a lot, but during that time, we really thought we were doing it. Yes. But, you know, he would breed 100 mares a year. Okay. And then back in those times, were people trying to really breed barrel racing horses? Not really. That was a new thing to breed. Like, you know, historically, right. barrel <laughs> racing horses, just like roping and cow horses, were rejects of other business, other right. industries. Sure. But at that time, was anybody specifically trying to breed a great barrel horse? I think we were just dabbling in the fact that while some horses could go around the barrels, the sport was starting to evolve. We're starting to get more money. Yes. And we're starting to see where we're gonna get outrun. Yes. And so now we need these horses to run hard, mm -hmm. but when you run hard, you also lose, you the lose right. something. Yeah, you, you lose, lose the a run lot. on the right. So, yin so and yang, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. Absolutely. So the some bitches can run like a bat out of hell, don't necessarily go can't around Can't turn the in a 40-acre pasture. That's right. So, and the ones that can yeah. turn, turn a barrel and a dime can't run. I can outrun them on so, foot. That's right. Right. So, and that's important for people to understand right. that, is that Typically, and if with humans, I always say, your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. Absolutely. Whatever makes you a superior human is also the thing that will take you down. Yep. And that's a good point there. Yeah, you might run how, like a whatever you, however you celebrate is also the way, same way that you grieve. And that's, it's the same, same thing. That's exactly right. So you get him, <laughs> did you have instant success on him or it took a little while to get that partnership to work? It was a funny, um, beautiful failure forward okay. on this horse. So Dr. Nick Barr, I won my first pro rodeo on him when I was at, sorry. <coughs> I won my first rodeo on him when I was nine years old, mm -hmm. Lafayette, Louisiana. And <coughs> I'm so sorry. No, don't, don't be apologetic. Just <coughs> cough, thought, whatever you need to do. Just take your time. Oh, he's like the worst guest I've ever had. No, he could no, not no. fucking shoot this thing. I tell you what, let's let's stop the camera. Let's stop the cameras and I don't we'll know take what a 10-minute break. Let's stop the cameras. <laughs> Clinton's grabbing a cocktail and we'll be right back. Get yourself one and enjoy this short clip. Nothing would please them more than to see this old piece of shit in a coffin. All oh, they want to drive a steel knife down a stupid fucking throat and they talk about it quite often. Radio, let's read our first hate mail of the day. 
This is from uh, Belinda Shutterfield. Shutterfield. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to listen to this, but I guess professionalism and standards go out the window when you're trying. I don't know. Question mark. He may be a great horseman, but he needs his mouth washed out with soap. I don't think I will be able to watch his videos again without hearing his potty mouth. Very disappointing, but still acknowledging his talent. Well, thank you so much. What is her name again? Belinda. Belinda, I'm sorry that I fucking offended you with my bad fucking language. And I deeply fucking apologize for that. And I'm going to absolutely clean the fuck of my language right up so that I don't disappoint you in the future. Have a wonderful fucking day. Righto, Fallon. Let's get let's get serious now. Quit fucking I'm very around. Very serious. The flies. Fuck this. We drunk alcohol. We're ready to go. I'm okay? ready. So this horse. I think the last question I asked you was, did you hit it off with him immediately, or was it a little bit of a trial and error? You know, you said you made an expression. You failed to move forward, or what was it? I did. I failed forward. But, I. And what I'm, do you mean by that exactly? I won my first pro rodeo on him. I was nine years old, yep. which restructured the entire WPRA. And how so, to do that? They decided that the age limit should be 14. Oh, truly. And then decided after that that the age limit should be 18. So now you have to be 18 to go to the National Finals Rodeo. Mm -hmm. Before that, um, you know, I'm nine, so I won my first rodeo. Let's go take over the world. Yeah. I hit $50,000 in barrels. That's awesome. One after another after That's another. Awesome. It was awful. Awful. When you say oh, you won it or lost fifty thousand, <coughs> lost. Oh, I thought I thought you said you won it. I'm thinking I'm thinking that's awesome, and you're fucking you're losing fifty grand. Just okay, the so, worst. So you would have won fifty grand, but you're running into barrels. And is this horse error, human error, both error? Just this was human error. This mm -hmm. was a little girl above her head on a really amazing athlete. Yes, with bad timing. And that's okay because as you're learning, you're supposed to fuck some shit up. And I did. And you have to you have to give yourself permission. I think a lot of people, when they're learning something new, like even myself, I'm trying to get into the cow horse world. And right. this is somewhat new for me. Right. Um, and I'm trying to do it at 47. And I've got to do it in front of the world. Right. So i got to fuck up in front right. of hundreds of thousands of people that get to laugh at me for sucking at different times and right. doing stupid rookie mistakes and shit. Because whenever you, I don't care how much money you've won in one industry, when you change industries, you're a rookie. I, you know I what decided I mean? to ride jumpers you, you, at one point yeah. and broke when my you, shoulder. When you change industries, you go back to being a rookie. I don't care how much you dominated one industry. When you change to another, you're a rookie. Look at Michael, uh, look at Michael Jordan. Right. When he went from basketball to baseball, he sucked big time. Right. One of the greatest athletes in the entire world, timing, physical ability, etc. And he was he sucked big time. Perfect example of that. So so I had to remind myself at times it's okay to suck because I'm learning something new. And it's uncomfortable, it's a shit. But what I've got to do is keep coming back, keep getting help, keep hiring trainers, keep keep fucking up, keep making mistakes, keep paying my entry fees, keep going and going, and I'm getting better, but I gotta keep reminding myself, everybody's gotta pay their dues. Everybody's gotta start at the bottom. You're a beginner at everything. You're a beginner at everything. So just <laughs> like when 20 years ago, when I started out as a clinician, I was a beginner and at the bottom of the total pole, and I had to walk my way to number one. Now I'm changing somewhat industries and, and being a competitor now, I'm starting at the bottom. Right. Getting my ass right. kicked. Uncomfortableness. And There's you've sacrifice got to, everywhere. And you've got to keep coming up yep. until you eventually win. I will eventually win, not a doubt in my mind. But you've got to go through some ugly, uncomfortable feelings 
and keep pushing forward, keep pushing forward to get that. I don't know when failure became an F word. Mm -hmm. I don't know when people decided that that was a negative thing, yeah. but in every failure is a lesson. You don't want learn anything in the win. That's exactly right. You, you, Cause you don't reflect. The, all you do is just go, Oh crap, I don't know if I can replicate that again. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. man, I'm on top. I don't know how I'm ever going to get there again. Yeah, yeah. but so, when, when you have problems or things that aren't as good, you're always looking to dissect that. What can I do better and, and work on it? Absolutely. So you get this horse and you get on the right, you and him start clicking when? Two years later, one year later? When do you start really clicking? Takes a couple of years. Okay. Still failing, still failing. Um, and then we went and purchased a mare off the racetrack. We claimed her off the racetrack for 7,500 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, she was a trendy, now we're looking at breeds and we're starting to look quarter at- Quarter horse, thoroughbred? Quarter horse. Okay. So she ran at Lone Star Park and there was a claiming race, ugliest mare ever. Mm -hmm. We claimed her for 7,500 bucks. She stumbled out of the gate. So my trainer decided that that was a really cool horse that we should have. Mm -hmm. My mother hated her. She was the ugliest horse ever. Mm -hmm. My mom wanted me to ride something pretty. Yep. She was really short, about this wide. Yep. My mom was like, Fallon's gonna be tall. You know, yep. this is gonna look really crazy. And he just said, this is the horse right. and we went home and he started to train her and she was a nightmare i mean she would soul up everywhere just really kind of an awful mare yeah. set back flip over break the rings off your trailer wouldn't eat crib the fence down just your typical run-of-the-mill story but when she ran down the alleyway she pinned her ears and she won oh truly and so <laughs> he it. he fraternityed on her a little bit and then we carried her in the trailer. We had a mare and a stallion down the road because, you know, we didn't know better. Yeah. So yeah. <coughs> I'm with you. Yeah. as we go down the road, there was a rodeo that was one of the biggest in the world. And they had too many people that kind of had drawn out that night. And they called the place we were staying and they said, if you guys have any colts, the perf's empty. If you want to run some colts, come run them. We'll, we'll run them over here and let you guys kind of do a little exhibition. So a bunch of people ran in the performance. And then I got to run my mare. I said, Dad, I, this, this mare, like, I really, I'm ready. And he was like, I hate this mare. I mean, she was awful. She was terrible. She hated everybody but me. <laughs> and I ran her in the performance, and they were going to give me the victory lap, but nobody in the stands knew that I wasn't yeah. up that night. Yeah. So they wouldn't let me have the victory lap. And I was, you know, So 12. you won it. I was pissed. Well, I didn't win it because uh, I wasn't actually okay, entered. Right. I was just there yeah, yeah. practicing, and nobody knew. And um, so I'm 12 at this time, and I told my dad, I was like, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. We've got this. You know, I'm kind of bouncing up and down in the world standings, but my big my big thing is I want to be one of the top 15 at the NFR mm -hmm. and I want to be one of the youngest. Yes. Now there had been a girl that qualified at 7. She got killed on the way. Mm. <clears throat> and then there was um another girl that went at 12 or 13 and mm. now I'm 12 or 13. Yeah. So we went for it. Yes. And we got it done. On that May on that mare. So you qualified for the NFR on that mare? On that mare. I turned how 13 before I got there. How old were you? 13. So at that stage, they didn't have the age limit where they... They did, but I was already grandfathered in. So oh, okay. You were grandfathered dad had, in. Okay. My dad had good attorneys okay. that, that now work for the association. <laughs> okay. So even though they changed it to 18, they Correct. still let you go run. Correct. And that was a big dream of yours to make the NFR. Everything I had seen up until this point had been televised. Mm -hmm. So my only markers not growing up in the horse world was, well, I want to go on Mesquite. I want to yeah. run there because it's on TV. And then I want to run at the NFR because that's in Vegas. That mm. seems like a fun idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't know anything no, beyond 13, that. So, you, yeah. you know, let's go yeah. to Vegas. So how was that experience for you? You know, it, pretty incredible. I think as an adult 
looking back, you can reflect a little. I bit. can reflect a little bit more, and so it was really cool to go at that age, you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16. I qualified those four years in a row. My, on the same mare? On the same mare. So she got her shit together. She really was did. Was she still an obnoxious Horrible. pig outside the barrels? When she died <laughs> in the pasture, she was colicking, and we were trying to save her. And finally, we were like, you know, the vet tried to open her up for surgery. We lost her. But like five minutes before she died, I think you could have saddled her and probably still won a rodeo like she was that gritty. Yeah. And she was still like cribbing on her lead rope. And she was awful, <laughs> awful creature. And um, But I loved her. I thought she was the greatest horse ever. And, you know, it, it was... But she did that one thing well. She could run. And everybody would tell us, like, well, she needs to be able to... Ch you need to be able to check cows on them. And you need to be able mm. to... Now we're more specialized where we know, like... You know, we, you're, you don't need to turn 10 of them out together if they're all worth a million apiece. Oh, you, you know, can't. you can't like uh, you, now we know you'd be, you'd be. That's a funny statement. You <laughs> said there. you would you would not believe the amount of shit that I get on my new barn because I have concrete stalls. I have, you know, they're open faced and three sides of cinder block. How many people just bitch that how I keep a horse in a stall? And, and how inhumane it is, and why don't we keep them in pastures. What these people don't fucking understand is these aren't $1,000 horses. Right. These are $100,000 to $1 million horses that other people own. Right. So I don't get to call the customer and say, by the way, your horse was turned out with four other bitchy mares, and they kicked him in the hawk and broke his hawk, so I'm sorry, but your horse needs to be put down now. But it was all natural. Yeah. He was out in the pasture, so this is nature. We're good with this, correct? <laughs> They, they, and they that's just, what nature does. They, well, nature mean, is very ugly. Yeah, yeah that's, it's ugly. That's one of my favorite things about the whole natural horsemanship industry is a lot of people that claim natural horsemanship. I've never used the word or put myself in that genre. Right. But if you really want to be fucking natural, go take one bucket of grain and stick it in a field with 10 horses and, and you'll see some natural ass kicking. Yeah. You'll see some natural fighting. Horses can be extremely violent to each other. And they can be very pleasant to each other. They can crib on each other and scratch each other's withers and swish your tails and stand yep. head to tail. And they can get along like a million right. dollars, but they can be violent in a heartbeat. And a lot of people think that natural horsemanship is just horses naturally interacting in a peaceful way. Horses are very dominant to each other. Right. There's a hierarchy there. There's an established pecking order. And if you don't believe me, just take one bale of hay out there and stick it there and yep. watch the games begin. Well, I'm an avid subscriber to your YouTube yeah. channel, so I knew this drama yeah. long before with the GoPro and the cat and we're yeah. going through your feeding routine yeah. and yeah. seeing the whole barn set up. And I think a lot of people, we're able now where the horses that we compete on, you know, there's some of them that we turn out and whatever else. Um, but yeah, you're for the most part bubble wrapping these things to just get them to the next event. Yes. You're doing and your very best. Yes. And as a good rule of thumb, the more talented they are, the better they are, the more you love them, the quicker they try to die. Absolutely. It, that's as simple as it gets. When you don't give a shit about right. it and you don't like the horse, I don't vaccinate it. I don't trim no. its feet. It'll no. never die. It'll, It'll never literally die. live to 108 It'll years It'll never run through a fence. Never. Never, never. in a million years no. because you don't care about it. The ones you love, the ones you care about, the ones you got your hopes and dreams on, it's constantly trying to kill us. So, yep. you know, it's funny about the cinder block stalls. I've had in my career probably three horses that either got cast during the middle of the night or kicked and got hind legs through wooden stalls. Oh, yeah. And completely destroyed their legs by getting legs through wood. Right. And I've had zero trouble with cinder block. You'll have no zero, trouble. Zero, zero. And the other reason I put them out of cinder block is because I power wash them every August. Right. I power wash the entire barn and get it all clean and, and looking nice. I can power wash everything. It, wood doesn't, uh, wood rots. 
Wood's high maintenance, wood can break, wood can get splinters in them. I've had zero trouble with the cinder block They don't stalls. love to kick cinder block either. They don't. No, so. that's exactly right. I have zero problem <coughs> with any of that type of stuff. You know, but you'd be amazed how many people just don't understand how valuable these horses are and um, we have to keep them in stalls. They're yep. not kept in there 24 seven. They either get ridden, they get turned out, they get on the walker, they get exercise, but but we can't put them in a pasture with four other horses. Right, because we're raising these horses to do a job. Yes. And a really, really specialized, specific job. If we're also making them fight for their feed, yes. it becomes a whole other scenario where you have this horse that's just trying to fight for its life, fight for pecking order, and then you let him go get his confidence down because he got his butt whipped by oh, yeah. the meanest thing in the pasture, Absolutely. and now he's like weaker. It's a That's a common racehorse thing too, is like you never want your best horse to get their butt kicked because mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of ego involved with a really nice horse. Yes. But Flowers and Money, this mare that we're talking about, kicked the back door off of our trailer twice going down the road, <laughs> scotch hobbled. Oh, so she funny. was just a disaster waiting to happen. And I thought she hung the moon and I but still do. But she did. I still Technically, do. correct? Absolutely. You won a, how much money did you win on this man? Probably if you had to guess. three or 400,000. That's awesome. Yeah. Never tried to breed her, never sold her. We what did. Happened? So we bred her four times. And I what got happened? four babies. We bred her to Dr. Nickbar, the stallion. Mm -hmm. yep. um, she produced Baby Flow that I won a million bucks on. That's awesome. And, um, was she obnoxious or a good horse? As far Baby as temperament? Flo, like, Baby Flow is wonderful. She'd go get the newspaper. Didn't, for oh, you. I'm asking, did they have the temperament of their mother or a different temperament? All of them have the temperament of their mother. Oh, they did. I, okay. All of them. Okay. But we didn't flush mares at that time. Yes. So Baby Flow was born in 2006. That mare died that mm -hmm. same year. Yeah. Um, Dr. Nick Barr died a couple of years later and um, they all kind of act like their mom. If I could make any change, it would be go back, get a recip mare, yeah. raise them with a different mare on their yeah. side so yeah. they don't learn That's all those things. That's such a winch. Oh yeah. So, you know, baby Flo would go get the newspaper for you and drive you to the rodeo if she could. Mm. Um, that being said, she's very partic particular about a lot of things, which again, I found really great horses are really particular. Doug, Doug Carpenter told me that before he died. Um, he told me that all the great horses he had from pleasure horses to reining and so forth, he said they all had a cork about them, a quirk Absolutely. about them. And he said, I never tried to change that. Right. So some of them, he said, I know it sounds stupid, didn't like to be tied up, so I never tied them up. Or yep. some of them just like to handpick, eat grass the day of the show. He said, I found out whatever their little cork was, right. and I just let them be that. She won't drink out of a black yeah, bucket. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He said, yeah, every great horse I had always had a kink. And he said, I never tried to get the kink out of him. Because Absolutely. that when you, he said, because in the beginning of my career, I would try to train that little kink out of him. Mm -hmm. And he said, when I did, the specialness went away as well. I just think it's there. It's an ego thing. Like I've got a really good mare right now. Her name's Prada and, and is a cow horse that I'm competing on now. And she's a, she's truly a great horse. She's a fucking bitch. She, Perfect. I don't patter. <laughs> I don't love on her because she don't want me to. Yep. She'd sooner just flip me off as I walk past the stall Absolutely. because she's just all business. She right. rides like a stud, acts like a stud, yep. walks like she's got a big set of balls between yep. her legs. She, she's not a girly horse. Right. The lady that owns her, Melissa, is my best friend. She'd love her to be a girly horse right. where you go in and love on her and scratch her. She just doesn't like it. She doesn't want it. She doesn't like the attention. She wants to eat, sleep, and fucking drag her up. Yeah. She's just business. Yeah. 
And I just treat her like that. I love it. I don't it. say hello. Now, i got another horse that's my buddy Thor. I love on him every morning and scratch on yeah. him. He puts his head on my shoulder. I love how he likes to interact with me. Right. But that's his personality. But yeah. that bitch, she's all business. Baby Flo, when you walk in the barn, like we have a rule when she's laying down, nobody walks in the barn. Just let her sleep. Yeah. Like she bought the place. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, very much we don't, so. We don't wake her up. Yes. Um, we don't flip the lights on her. We don't yeah. do rude things. You don't walk in the stall until she tells us it's okay. Yeah. We don't barge in. Yeah, but she also won a million dollars. She won a million bucks, and we and she's produced winners for me that I'm riding right now. That True. you know, yeah. it's just been this domino effect of, you know, my parents having really great foresight mm-hmm. and not being scared, and me trying to be a good steward mm-hmm. to those things that they bless me with, yeah. and then trying to continue that on. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that mare is she's incredible. She's been so amazing to me, but. I don't go in her stall. I don't try to love on her. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be petted on. Mm-hmm. If she decide, if she kind of looks at me like she wants to be scratched, okay, I'll do it. But yeah. that's like once a year. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it, yeah. Just let it be. Just let it be. So let me ask you. So now you made the NFR at 13, correct? And big, great experience. You make it several years after that. Right. Correct. Are you winning during the year now? You're kicking ass. Uh, what's happening through the year leading up to the rodeo, leading up to the NFR? You're doing consistently doing well. Top 15 in the world, yep. kind of bouncing up and down. Um, are you making enough money to pay yourself to go down the road? Like, are you winning enough to get yourself to the next rodeo type of deal or would never really pay So my us? parents obviously had a huge role in helping me. Yes, of course they did. But <laughs> what I'm asking is, are you winning enough prize money to help Absolutely. offset some of this? Absolutely. So yes. from seven years old, I got a checkbook. My yep. mom taught me how to reconcile my checkbook and had me do my own taxes. So from seven years old on... Um, you know, I had to make it make sense on paper. Yes. And I'm so grateful for them. Very much so. Because yep. parents do not teach kids about money no. at all. No. At fucking all. And I learned very quickly, this this is yep. sport is kind of a bad idea. Yeah. But it, it was something I love to do. Yeah. And somehow I was going to try to figure out how to maintain this lifestyle that my parents were able to give me. They mm-hmm. worked really, really hard and gave us so much. Um, but yes, I was breaking even, paying my own entry fees, paying fuel, doing mm-hmm. things like that. Yep. And then I kind of had like a little bit of a mental breakdown. So at 16, 17, I decided that I wanted to go be a model in New York oh, and truly. just like, just run off and, and do something different. Mm-hmm. My did parents, you get burnt out at all? Did you I feel did. tired, burnt I out? I did. Yeah. And you know, at that time they were starting to publish things in newspapers, kind of like they do in social media mm-hmm. where people were starting to be critical. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, ah, just screw this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do you something You kind of else. wore off the cute kid stage. The and now America's you're a young sweetheart. adult. Yeah. You, you kind of went from <clears throat> America's sweetheart, everybody wants you to fucking win. Right. And now you're kicking ass, so you're a bitch. Everybody yes. goes through that. I always say that. Yeah. America loves the underdog. And Always. once you're no longer the underdog, yep. you're a real piece of shit. Mm. Yes, they love you it when your you're way broke. There. They love it when you're broke. They love it when you're up and coming. And as soon as you get successful and make some money, you're a piece of shit. You know what I, I mean? It, I told it's the, it's not just America. It's the whole world that's like this. It really is. They yes. love to cheer you on and then want to bring you oh, down. Oh, drag your ass back down to the I, bottom. I told Alex, <laughs> I said to my husband, said, you know, our son, I hope that he's accused of having daddy's money and mama being hot because <laughs> that, you know, like that's what I want for him. I had to go through certain things yeah. and like, I, I think it makes you tougher oh, yeah. to be like, well, my daddy bought me anything. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody's mommy or daddy bought them something because you're still alive. Yes, of course they did. You know, whether no did. matter if it was like the RV and Dr. Nick Barr, the stallion yeah. and yeah. all these various things. But what it did was built this amazing life And then I started thinking, how am I going to replicate this for myself? And I started having like a full mental breakdown in my like late teens, early twenties of 
how in the world am I ever going to create this for myself? Meaning financially keep financially, it going? I just started yeah. to panic. How am I going to keep this going? I'm Because I think a lot of people don't understand just how expensive rodeo is. Correct. It's a fucked up deal. It if, really is. If you win 200000 that year, you've probably broken even. Truly, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. It's a very expensive It's deal. a terrible idea. Yeah. On paper. On paper. Yeah, on paper terrible yeah, idea. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible oh, idea. That's funny. Yeah. I like, love that. You know, the I was a cutter for a little while. Again, terrible idea. Now it's a better idea. Yeah, there's a lot of Now more it's money a way better idea. So you go to New York to be a model. Okay. I did. did you find an agent? You found a studio to go to? How'd you get up there and how'd that whole thing work out? So the internet was just starting to be a thing. What year is this? This is 98, 99, mm -hmm. 2000. Yep. So um, I took my homeschool in my suitcase. I told my mom I'm flying to New York and I'm just gonna go door to door. So I got rejected mm -hmm. and they told me, you know, I would never make it. But what I did was I studied everything I could find about how to do this, how to take my own pol Polaroids, what an agent wants to see from you. And basically the way that I ended up succeeding after getting rejected so many times was being polite, being on time and being educated. You know, just being yes. the first person to the job, having everything that I needed for the job with me. Mm -hmm. There's um, a lot to be said about being the first person on the job and the last person to leave. Right. You don't have to be the most talented, but if you'd be the first motherfucker to show up and the last motherfucker to leave, you'd be shocked how successful you can be in life. I always have said, J-Lo won Grammys and she can't sing at all. Mm -hmm. She hired a great stage team. Yes. She looks great. Yeah. She puts on a great show mm -hmm. and she still gets it done. Yes. Is she Adele? No. So am I the most talented horseman ever mm -hmm. to live on the planet? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Do I work really, really hard? Absolutely. Working and it's paid hard, off. Work, work ethic will overcome a shit ton of what you lack in natural ability. There's so many people that are talented that are lazy. They are. Most people that are truly talented, I won't, will not say all, because as soon as they say all, some asshole says, look at me. <laughs> but, but as a general rule, the more naturally talented you are at a particular thing, the less harder you work at that, and typically uh, the less dedicated you are. Right. Because it just comes so easy to you. Right. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm trying me to say? Me in college, I, you know, learning was really easy for me so i just hated college yes blew it off yes. people struggling and i'd just be like ugh. yes because whatever. it was easy for you easy yes i just left that's right I that, that's a good crap every once in a while <laughs> you'll find a truly naturally gifted person that does have the work ethic of an animal and they're unbeatable right and i don't mind getting beat by that person right because they had god-given talent and they had work ethic and I'll come in second and third behind them with a smile on my face any Absolutely. day of the week because I took what I had and made the fucking best of it. Right. But I didn't have the natural talent. But it's so, I don't worry about that combination because it's so fucking rare. Right. That combination. Right. Naturally God-given talent. Naturally God-given talent and work ethic. It's so, it's so rare, you're not going to find it very much. Right. So I don't have to worry about it too much. And if it, if it pops up just a little bit and then it starts to get hard, I love competing when there's bad weather mm -hmm. or when the ground is bad or when something's going really bad because it just like brings the level of professionalism mm -hmm. to a place where it's like really easy to be a standout mm -hmm. because everybody's just busy complaining. It's cold. It's, yeah. um, we joke because I, I won't wear a jacket when it's cold outside mm -hmm. when I go to compete because there's something animalistic about, mm -hmm. I don't oh, want yeah. you seeing me shivering. 
I don't want to see you in a corner like this. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. going to eat you alive. Yeah, I love so, that. So, <laughs> you know, I just, I walk around like I'm just so warm. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, wow, you guys really got to get it together. You can see my breath. I'm just dying on the inside. But yeah. I'm like, there is a lot of that. Oh, very and much so. When females compete, there's something different about it because mm -hmm. um, we're mean. Oh, yeah. That's the You're reason there's bitches. alpha mare. You Absolutely know? bitches. I yes. mean, we're mean. So <laughs> as somebody that is really, really nice, I have to really dig down um, and realize, and my hauling partner, she'll somebody will compliment me, and she goes, don't forget. They talk shit about you online. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like, you're right. Love it. You're, you're right. right. That's right. So, you know, you get a compliment and they're like, hey, <laughs> don't you remember they hate you. Yeah. So I have to dig down. And so part of that is like, I won't like. I've always said, you use the negative. I, I've always used negative comments and haters for fuel to be successful. It took me a while to get I there, love but that. now I love I, it. I, I love it. I embrace it. I, I like people hating on me. I encourage it. I want to do more of it. I, I like stirring people up because it makes me have fuel to prove them wrong. Right. If they just tell me I can do it, I'm like, it's like, you're obviously a red in the, in the color code personality. Mm -hmm. I bet we're very similar. Like right. I'm 60% red, 24% yellow, like 14% blue. I, without My even, yellow is down here. That's why I haven't had much How alcohol. much red are you? How much? Uh, did you 64. take the color code? 64. 64. So we've got the same amount mm -hmm. of red. Yep. And what are your other colors? Blue white yellow okay so your dominant blue on the secondary is blue mm -hmm. and then yellow so so that's the caring part the blues right. to give a shit the blues to caring right. etc okay so you're a little bit bipolar because you want to rip somebody's head off and then you want to cry with them and put it back on as a boss i'm like michael scott from yes the you get what I'm i want everybody to be my friend yes. red, red, and, I need them to red do and blues is a is a little bit of a polarizing color code because right. the red says i'm going to kick your ass and dominate and then after you get done ripping somebody's ass you feel guilty you want to go pat them on the I'm back i'm gonna go and, cry it off I'm sorry. Yeah. I, can I give you a hug? And the employee's like, what the fuck, woman? Got, You're some crazy I've bitch. learned to just walk away. Like, let that red <laughs> stick. Like, let him, don't yeah. ever let him see your next move. But that's, that, we're obviously reds. And reds, are, remember, the, the code of the color code is motivation. So reds are motivated by power. We like to win. Right. We don't look to look bad. I always tell people this about me. You can steal my car, kill my horse, burn my barn down, and I'll forgive you for all of right. it. But the two things I won't ever forgive you for, don't ever embarrass me. Don't and don't embarrass me and don't steal from me. Right. If if you do if you do those two things, if you steal from me or you embarrass me, I can't fucking forgive you. Right. But you can burn my house down, steal my car, take yep. over my house, and yep. I'll say, no problem, I forgive you. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. remember, Reds, we gotta look good. Absolutely. So, so you embarrass us yep. in public, yep. it's unforgivable. forgivable Absolutely. And, and typically reds hate, especially blues too, hate stealing. Absolutely. Stealing. Yep. I'll give it to you. Right. If you need $1,000. I think everybody knows I, if, in like, my if circle, I will. If you need $1,000, yep. I'll just give it to you. Right. You don't have to steal it from me. Just come ask yep. me and I'll happily give it. You, you, know, what, you know what I mean? Like speaking I, to my soul. There was a girl I ran into <laughs> just a few weeks ago but, that I, I knew and she crashed a car in the snow and... And I gave her $1,000 to to get a car repaired. And she said, you know, I'll pay you back. And I said, when I gave you the money, I knew I wasn't going to get it back. Right. I didn't ask for it back. I did it because I wanted to help you. You're struggling. It was some bad shit happened to you. It was just called bad luck. When I give money, I don't expect right. it back. That's the key yep. to it. That I knowingly gave it Absolutely. with that in mind. Okay. So anyway, moving forward now. So you go to New York, you get a little bit of an ass kicking yep. up there. 
And how'd you handle that? You stayed with it. You came home. Where, I where stuck did, with it. I yep. ended up making about thirty grand a month, figuring oh, out how to do much. how to do my deal. I was seventeen. What so were I, you modeling, if you don't mind me asking? So I found my niche in um, people not knowing what ethnicity I was. Mm -hmm. It really worked out for yeah. me. So my name is Fallon, and so I said, leave off the Taylor on all my comp cards. Like I, you know, I think I'm Cher or something. <laughs> So leave, just put Fallon on my comp cards and So you're half we'll Mexican in. bitch, you're half American, what are you? Hey, I just, Puerto Rican. I'd walk in. <laughs> Zip it. Hola. I don't know. You you tell me. So I walked in oh, and I like, funny. and funny enough, like I kind of make it a big deal that at least once a day I get asked my nationality. I'm just white. Like I'm just diet white. Like <laughs> I'm just like, you know. Vanilla things. as fuck. Yeah. Like it, you know, there's nothing unique. Um, so, but I went in and I would just be very quiet. So they just had it. no idea, you know, I, they can't hear a country accent, they can't hear anything. See, there's a lesson to be learned what you just said, is that you went up there, you kind of got your ass handed to you, but you didn't stop. Right. You analyzed what you needed to do. You analyzed what they were looking for. You were the first one to fucking show up. You were the last one to leave. You figured out keeping your mouth shut was a good thing because they couldn't guess what nationality you were. Right. What I'm saying is it, there's a lot to be said about that. You could have easily, let's just be honest, you could have easily packed your shit up and gone back to mommy and daddy. What's the whole point of failing? If you just come back and tell the yes. failure story. Typically that's a red thing though, keep in mind. Right. Like I left high school at 15. Reds are very independent. We, we don't want to go home. We right. don't want to be a failure. We want to blaze a fucking path. So that's kind of a red trait is that we will just get on Titanic and sail. Right. You know what I mean? But, but my point also is, is that it would have been easy for you to go home where it was safe. Absolutely. Very easy, but, but you didn't do it. that scares me. Yes. That really, yes. really scares me. So anytime something feels really complacent, mm -hmm. it really terrifies me. Um, we've started to learn. You know how why? Because to... reds hate being bored. Oh man! And I'm even worse because I got a double dose of it. I'm a red with a big chunk of yellow. Yellows are motivated by fun. Remember, so you, two things you can't do to a red and a yellow is bore them. Right. If you bore reds and yellows, they just want to blow their fucking brains. Right. Out. And and I felt like anytime something gets a little bit easy, it's like, oh, this may be, mm -hmm. you know, this is where I'm going to get soft and somebody's going to take over. Yes. This is not the spot for me. Yeah. So I went to New York. I did my deal and then realized once I crossed the hurdle of I could make a good living, I found that commercial modeling was where it was at. Got hired to go to Mexico City a lot um, and do a bunch of billboards and campaigns and then realized there's no way to scale this. And um, like just watching my parents in business, there's no way to scale it. Mm -hmm. And should something happen to me. Because you're selling your time. Selling my time. And should something happen to me, I break my arm or whatever, I'm not going to be able to work. Yes. You know, yes. so... Then I came home and I was like, you know what I think I'll do is move to LA and I think I'll do some acting stuff because then that's just a little bit more. I could do just a little bit more yes. and I could Spread actually yourself, open my mouth. Yes. I don't have yeah. to shut up, <laughs> walk into a Hard for me to be that's quiet. That's hard for a so, red to shut up. Yes. Yeah, so I'm like, well, you know, at least I can um, go in and talk a little bit. So I got some roles in some TV shows and mm -hmm. did some things. I'm just an okay actress. I just was okay at it. I got the best coaching. I got the best agent. I kind of just wanted to see if I could do it. If I was being really yeah. honest, you know, I was young and yes. I highly recommend if you have a hunch to do something. Go fucking do it. There's a lesson in it. Go do it. So Because yes. I'm not afraid of these cameras. Yes. And it's because of my time spent in LA, not because I loved it, but now later on in my career, I'm very comfortable. I yes. know how to speak and all of those things. I attribute those layers to um, giving me so much. But another key point here is at that, how old were you when you went to LA? About 20. Okay. 21. See, I always tell people between 
you know, 20 and 30 is a special decade. Right. And that's why I tell young people, men and women, don't get married, don't have children, don't get tied down. I always tell the students this, if it takes you more than six hours to pack your shit up and move to another country, you've got too much shit. So if you've got three fucking donkeys, eight horses, 16 cats, four boyfriends that you've got to fucking break up yeah. with, you got too much shit in your life. Because if somebody called me at that age, if you called me and said, I've got a unpaid internship, but you can learn every single thing I'm doing, but you got to scrape stalls for 16 hours a day, I'd be like, where are we going? Where are we going? And Where you would have been there I'd instantly. I'd have been there in an hour. That's my point. Absolutely. That is my point. Is because uh, because once you get husbands and wives and mortgages and car payments and debt, you can't move anymore. Right. When I say you can't, you can, but you're very much really stuck a lot. And so that's why that's a special decade to get your shit together. I, I left high school at 15. I came to America when I was 20 years old. I had $400 to my name and a pair of boots and a fucking bridle I brought with me. But I had no girlfriend. Can I ask what bridle you brought with you? It was a, a twisted wire snaffle. <laughs> twisted wire snaffle. You still snaffle. have it? No, I don't have it Dang. now. No, I wore that some bitch out. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is, that's the years to go do that shit. Right. But when you're married and got kids and you're pinned down, you're fucked after that. Right. You know, I always told the students when, when they were my apprentices, I'm working you like a dog, but you're learning tons. I'm right. paying you enough to survive and that's it. And you might bitch about it, but only thing you have to do today is wake up and learn something new. The coolest that's thing all ever. you have to do. But once you leave my ranch, you will get bills, you'll get spouses and responsibilities and headaches and learning won't be your priority anymore. No. It won't be your priority. So I said, I know you think it sucks when I work you so much and I fucking make you toe the line, but you'll look back on these days one time and say, that was the simplest time of my life when all I had to do was wake up and learn something. I had a roof over my head, yep. food on the table. That's all I had to fucking, I didn't have to worry about anything else. It's a special time. So to young people watching this, if you want to go do it, go fucking do it. Everything. Don't wait. And do it, do it all. Yes. If it sounds like a bad idea, do it and find out what was bad about it so you don't make that same mistake again. Mm -hmm. Failure is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And for some reason, we made it an F word. Mm -hmm. Failure is necessary. Yes. You've got to know what doesn't work so that you can shortcut the rest of the things. you got to get a few bloody noses to figure out how the playground works. Absolutely. you got to get a few bloody noses. Yep. And, the, and so the quicker you fucking figure that shit out, the better. Absolutely. Okay, so you so you go to LA, have some mediocre success as an actress, but you don't, you're not really into it. Your heart's not there as I'm getting the impression. Not there. Yeah. Are you making any money doing it? Yeah, I made definitely enough to have um, the best apartment in my yep. apartment building. I've mm -hmm. got a good car. Um, I bought some horses back home. So I'm flying back every weekend and kind of tuning on some horses, selling them mm -hmm. so I can have an income. Mm -hmm. um, but during New York and LA, I was finding a lot of fun in eBay, which is a weird plot twist of the story. I quickly realized that in order for me to go back, I, I knew I wanted to go back and compete, but in order for me to do that, I needed to take survival off the table instead of trying to make going down the alleyway pay my bills. Yes. Because you do the math a few times and you're like, and this is work. stupid. Yes. This is really yes. dumb. So what I was doing is eBay was really hot. I remember that. It's it was funny. You never hot. even hear the word anymore. No, do you? it was super hot. And so I would find things that um, were selling really high. You know, things would go viral on eBay before we knew what viral was. Yeah. And um, for instance, there was this one like hat. Just it went viral. It's a stupid hat. 
and I would call around every single store and buy them out, have them ship it to me. I'd put them on eBay one at a time, let them drive way up where people are paying $1,000 for this hat I bought for 20 bucks. And I, I would it. do various things like that. And I was in an industry where I kind of knew what trend was coming next and knew that it would take a little time before the people at home mm. wanted to be in on this next big thing. You know, J-Lo was wearing these Timbaland heels and Jessica Simpson was wearing this crocheted shawl on reality TV and we had never seen reality TV mm. before. Mm. And the Kardashians were wearing, you know, various things in these Louis Vuitton bags. So I would get my hands on them and I would flip a horse and then I would go take that money and I would buy inventory yep. and then release it on eBay until awesome. I'd have like some money back. But I quickly knew that um, you know, doing dealing with horse people is not easy. No. But dealing with hat people is a lot more fun. Yes. Hat and purse people was a lot more fun to deal with. So, a lot less emotions. A lot less emotions. Dealing with horse people is very emotional. Absolutely. It turned me into an alcoholic. Yeah. That's yeah. what it fucking yeah. did. It, yeah. Because horse people are fucking crazy. If we're just going to admit it right now, yep. most horse people are fucking crazy. And they wear on you after years and years of fucking with them. They wear on you and wear it's on you. It's such a lack of accountability in our industry mm -hmm. that yes. I think is what really pushes us. Um, instead of saying, I bought lots of horses for myself and now I kind of raise and train primarily mm. for myself. Mm. And when it doesn't go right, I know what went wrong. Yes. I know that I wasn't swindled or... Sometimes it's just called bad luck. Or it just, it just didn't work. It didn't it work. It just wasn't the right time. You're absolutely yep. right. You buy a horse for a hundred thousand, it doesn't work out. You sell it for thirty. And really bizarre that we put all of our hopes and dreams for our entire life in an animal that, you know, if you put it in the wrong stall, it'll kick the wall all night and hurt itself. Like really bizarre that we stake that much mm -hmm. on these things, and instead of being really accountable and um, being able to pivot quickly, yeah. that didn't work. Okay, now we need to do this. Let's try this again. I, I always say that when I've got a horse that's not working, I have a saying: cut off the hand to save the arm. Absolutely. Cut off the hand to save the arm. So when I've got a horse that's not working for what I want him to do, one thing's for sure, he will work for something else. Right. Whether it's a trail horse, mm -hmm. a barrel horse, a cart horse, there's something he will be good at. Find what he wants to do, try to put him down that direction, but move him down the road. Absolutely. Cut the hand, when the hand's got gangrene, Yep. And I'm losing money, I fucking cut it off. Yep. Because if I don't, that gangrene's going to be right up to my and shoulder. And I start thinking, I can't ride anymore. And I've got I've to yep. cut the whole arm off. Yep. I don't like losing money on horses. Right. But I also know that losing money quickly is the best way to save money. Absolutely. Move it down the road. And some horses are just snake bit. Right. They're just, when I mean snake bit, is that they just got a bad juju on them. Right. Doesn't matter what you do, they either fucking colic, they're trying to die, they break a leg, they don't walk. It's like every single time, this son of a bitch is just snake bit. And when I figure out that horse is like that, it finds a new home immediately. Well, I, I would like to sign up for your list of coals, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll send them to you. <laughs> I'd like to run barrels on yeah, one of those. I'd love it. I'd I know we it. may not necessarily run as fast as we need to, but it'd be really cool. It'll be broke as fuck. To, I promise to you that. cross the timer line and just drag their ass would be really <laughs> I fun. I love it. I love it. So you, you're trading on eBay. You know, you're recognizing where money can be made. Absolutely. You're recognizing there's a need for something. That's called being smart, how to hustle a deal, how to figure out what somebody needs. You're, you're figuring out people need this hat, you're buying it, you're reselling it. So how long is this whole eBay deal going for? A couple of years, two couple or three of years? A couple of years, and then I started to get serious about competing again. I had a little bit more money, mm -hmm. came home from LA. Yep. Had a little bit more money, traded around a few horses, realized I didn't love dealing with the public. 
If you yeah. had the best horse in the world, they could still ruin it. Yes. And then tell you it was your And then fault. you're a piece of shit. Yes. <clears throat> yes. You're a scam Zero artist. Zero accountability. You're a yes. scam artist, but yet they've done that to the next five horses they've owned. Here's what's you know. funny about humans. A human can get cancer and everybody around you will say, that sucks and that's bad luck. Yep. But something happens to a horse you sold five years ago, you're still the piece of shit that owned it five years still ago. Still the one. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we can accept cancer as bad luck in humans and we and people yep. can get it. And it's, it sucks and nobody likes it. It's just bad luck. Nobody points the finger, you gave me cancer. Yep. But horse industry, you're right. There's a complete lack of accountability when shit doesn't go right for an owner. Maybe I had something to do with it. Or maybe yep. it was just fucking bad luck. Yeah. It's nobody's fault. Right. Shit just happens. Yep. A thousand percent. And it could be the horse went lame, the whatever. Or it could be, you know, you bought something above your head or way, you know, or it just didn't suit what you were looking for. You've got a, you know, a world champion goal, mm -hmm. but you could afford something for five grand mm -hmm. and you're expecting that to really, mm -hmm. and it's not, it just doesn't work like that. People get lucky. Oh, yeah. People get lucky every day. Yeah. It happens all the time where mm -hmm. you can have the fairy tale story of the $700 horse or the $7,500 mm -hmm. mare off the racetrack and somebody trains it and I go win 400,000. That's great, but your odds are low because you're going to pay very somewhere. Very much so. The odds are very your low. Odds are, Especially you're pay in somewhere. today's competition. When it was back in the 1950s and 60s, not so much, right. but not anymore. You know, it's funny, we're talking about accountability and just people. I had a, the, uh, uh, that, uh, she was a Hall of Fame NRHA mayor, Princess and Diamonds, and her last she foal. She was so cool. She was a cool horse. Her last foal, um, as a two-year-old, she got um, girth gall just as we start them. And some horses will get it, some won't. Mm -hmm. There's no magic girth. Some have just got fine hair, fine skin. They're going to get girth gall. Some are not, blah, blah, blah. Well, she gets some girth gall. And it kind of turns into a big abscess underneath her belly. And it blows out. And it looks like a fucking alien's come out of this thing's stomach, okay? And we doctor it. I go look at it and we doctor it up and just clean it up. And it's just an abscess that busts out, okay? And I remember chuckling one day about this. And a girl that was with me, she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, I'm laughing because I own this mare. This is not a big deal. But if somebody else owned this horse, a customer of mine, and they saw that this thing had a blown out abscess, they'd be wanting to sue me over this shit. They'd be wanting yep. to put me all over the internet. They'd be wanting to blame me. I'm a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. I sold that fucking horse for $175,000 six months later. And the abscess had healed up, hair had grown over it. It's no big deal. But I laughed to myself, well, I actually laughed out loud because she asked what am I laughing at, is that I thought, I said to myself, Thank God I own this. I've said because that so I don't many have times. to fuck with them. I don't have yep. to explain to somebody that yes, it looks like an alien just crawled out of its stomach, but it's called an abscess, and it will heal up. Yep. It looks ugly, but in sixty days you won't even know this was here. Yep. It wasn't a you know people on the internet will say well, it was a dirty girth. You, you got a dirty girth. It's That's the cement stall. It's the sand that was in the store. If you use those pine shavings, it's the pine. Clinton, I told you those cinder block stalls are called abscesses. That's the one. I had a horse get bastard strangles, yeah. have a reaction to the vaccine, blew out all four legs. The worst thing you've ever seen. He's still like, when I ride him up somewhere and somebody doesn't know me or somebody doesn't know this horse's story, 
I'll ride up and you can't make a splint boot fit him just right because yeah. it's so gnarly. Yeah. From the shoulders up, this is like a picture of a yeah. horse. I mean, yeah. you just, he looks like the AQHA logo where you're just like, wow. Mm. You look down, he looks like he's been run through barbed wire. Yeah. And it's awful. All four feet are a different size. <laughs> we doctored on the horse to keep him alive. Anyway, he was the reserve world champion BFA horse. He's won close to 100,000. And when I ride up somewhere, people look and they just go, man, wow. What did he get into? And it's funny because somebody posted on the internet, we had just doctored him with this salve and this cream mm. and we put it on him. And somebody posted on the internet with my brand in the picture, um, if you've got enough money to haul to a show, you should at least be able to care for your animals. Look at this horse's legs, they're oozing. I'm not gonna say who it is, puts my yeah. brand in the picture. I'm not gonna say who it is. The cream is fresh on this horse's legs. All four legs are mangled and gnarled up. Horse wins everything, he's so cool. I'm probably gonna run him for the majority of this upcoming season, but coolest horse ever and obviously unaffected, but thank God he was mine. Oh, absolutely. So I didn't have to tell anybody. That's exactly right. I didn't have to make any There's phone sometimes calls. Sometimes just bad shit happens and we can fix it. Absolutely. We're gonna take a break, let's get a cocktail. Okay. And okay. then we're going to be right back and we'll Sounds get back. Good. I'm loving the story, loving where it's going, <laughs> loving how real it is. And, and I'm just so glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> Today's episode was filmed at and produced by Intercut Productions, marketing by Stuart and Associates and organized and administrated by Down Under Horsemanship. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time, mate. Cheers.